hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Nintendo Gems Podcast, where we talk about Nintendo games, both new and old. My name is Connor, and today I am joined by my eternal co-host, Brayden. Hello. Hello, Brayden. Thanks for joining me for this episode. It's my honor to be here. I I don't make it on often, but yeah, thanks I, for having me. I appreciate you carving out the time for it. You got it. We got a good one for you. For me? We got a good one for the, the listeners. Oh. Well, I hope I can have some of it, too. You're part of it. Oh. Oh. Oh, heavens. I'm so excited. What do we got today? We have a two-part extravaganza here for you. We are kind of going to break the mold a little bit from, I guess, how we usually do things. We have been enraptured by a game that is not exactly Nintendo. Shh. Yeah, well... Keep it down. It, say that so loud. I know, it's very taboo, but we really feel compelled to talk about it. Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Ugh, yes. It, it. If you have approached the border, the, the walls of video game discourse, if, if the city of video game discourse, if you have approached the gate, mm-hmm. even remotely, you have heard the people shouting about Elden Ring, Elden Ring from outside the walls even. That's right. It's a big deal. It's momentous. It's and both uh, gaming wise and culturally cuz kind of yeah. like you said whether you are gaming adjacent or not. I I find it hard to believe someone in your life hasn't told you about it or at the very least is playing it. Right. Perhaps still. Oh. Like us. <laughs> oh yeah. Over a month out. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But that's not what this episode is, actually. Not quite. Hold tight. Not yet. Right. For you are witnessing part one of our short little uh, From Software intensive. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. Elden Ring is developed by FromSoft, a, a developer called From Software. Um, but Elden Ring can't really be talked... I mean, it can, but as From Software fans ourselves, mm-hmm. it really should be built up to because it's a it's a momentous game to come out because of all of the precedents that are set for it and we we feel that it is appropriate to talk about a few games that from software has developed mm-hmm. prior to them um specifically in relation to nintendo right um we're doing our due, dil- due diligence before we dive completely off topic yes um off of the concept of our entire podcast yeah but yeah a couple games that are important in the From Software discography, sure, gam- game gamography, uh, maybe so, as it were. The first of that, which that well, are abs- that are absolutely Nintendo related, and so yes, yes part one we are Nintendo gems. Uh, part two we are non gems. We will lift the mask soon enough. That's right. But uh, welcome to part one of From Software with love. Oh. Ha ha. Valentine, came up with that. Our That's Valentine's good. Day special. Yeah. Just in time. Again, just a little twist on the mold. What I would call our gem of the episode, we're going to start with. Because technically, it's chronological order, and it, it will tend to build up to uh, part two a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump back to the GameCube days. Yeah. To a game that I feel like we've wanted to talk about on the show for a long, like a long time anyway. Yes. Because it's like a favorite from our, from our childhood. And I mean, it just so kind of, it kind of just so happens that it's a From Software game and it shares like nudules of DNA that mm-hmm. would 
in the future become Dark Souls and Elden Ring and such. Right. And it really fits the uh, the name of our show because it's fairly obscure as well. Lost Kingdoms is not a household names by any means. It really isn't. Um, but I, I don't know. I would love to know how Lost Kingdoms has sold my light research was fruitless in that regard but um it's it's just it is a gem it's a hidden gem <laughs> um so yes but i mean, you're not we wanted to talk about it for many reasons and it's uh i'm excited to finally be here it's i mean it's just interesting just to like kind of look backwards for a moment like now that from software has I mean, practic- not really a household. It's not a household name. But it has created products that are. Yes, right. And again, if you're adjacent to the gaming sphere, you know the games that they've made. They have made way... They're, some of them are considered the best games of all time. Presently, contemporarily. And mm-hmm. with that, people have gone back and looked into the past mm-hmm. to see like what else From has made, what else is From From, yeah. as it were. <laughs> And yeah, Lost Kingdoms isn't one that like stands out, which is interesting because I mean it's a we can go ahead and say like it's a quality game. It is, and um, and it's one of the few games from from software that is on a Nintendo platform at all. Yeah, right. Let alone like the GameCube. I mean, do you know off the top of your head how many games there actually are for Nintendo consoles? Because there's Lost Kingdoms, there's Lost Kingdoms two. Well, Dark Souls. Dark Souls Remastered. Besides a few obscure Japan-only titles for the DS and, like, some other yeah. uh, Nintendo platforms, as far as, like, the West is concerned, and, again, like, the ones that are, like, revisited in retrospectives and such, yeah, Lost Kingdoms is has been sort of lost to time. And especially with all this revisiting, there's never been a remake or a remaster or heads or tails of one. That's right. And I mean, I did mention a sequel, which I think we'll touch on, but it was such a good concept. And I think we, maybe we should just dive into what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that, yeah, it, it's been literally 20 years now yeah. since it released in 2002. So what exactly m- makes Lost Kingdoms worth revisiting as we kind of circumvent talking about it directly. Right. Yeah, so it's it is an adventure game that relies heavily on not quite trading cards, but it is a card-based battle system. I would I would venture to call it a deck-building game. Yes. It's um it's an and like an action RP. I mean, well, Action RPG, but your character doesn't really level up or anything. It's more like the cards, each each card that you collect represents like a monster. Sure. And the monsters themselves have like different elements mm-hmm. and do different amounts of damage. And kind of similar to throw it back to Shin Megami Tensei Five, you can fuse and evolve these cards in your deck to like be stronger versions of those monsters. Absolutely. Um, and this isn't a traditional like card battling thing either. These, no, this these... isn't Yu-Gi-Oh. It's not Pokemon or it's not a card game. Right. It's a, uh, it's, it's real time battles. You are observing your character, Katia. From... I'd say 
Katia. Katia. I know yeah. you said Katia is children. Yeah. But we're adults now and we know better. You're probably right. It's probably Princess Katia. I like that better anyway. Of, of the kingdom of something? From the kingdom of Argwil. Ah. And you are observing her from a third person perspective. Almost isometric. It's odd because the map will never line up quite smoothly with the bottom of your screen. Yeah, it's almost overhead. Um, mm-hmm. Isometric is is right, and it, it. But you're you're exploring like these three D environments, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's got this like kind of dark, almost gothic fantasy setting. A little melancholy. What would you call it? What is grim dark? <laughs> like how far does that go? That goes to I would say Bloodborne. Yeah. Okay. Or like something like, do you remember like Dark Sector or like the game Hatred? Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do actually. That's Grimdark. Grimdark speaks to like edginess. Okay. To like performative edginess. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is more like grim and also dark. Sure. Like it's kind yeah, of yeah, gothic. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's not high fantasy. It's not like uh-huh. high traditional western fantasy. Right. It's western fantasy. It's not Japanese fantasy, but mm-hmm. it's like it's a little more grim and melancholy yeah. and a little darker in tone. Sure. And kind of like Shin Megami Tensei, it, it, some of the monsters are like I don't know. They're lore-based, uh, religion-based. They have mythological roots. Like, there's absolutely, there's Cerberus, you know, there's unicorns. They don't call them Pegasus. Right. But, you know, they take a lot of inspiration from folklore and Beelzebub, religion. I mean. Oh, absolutely. The fact that Beelzebub is a giant fly informed <laughs> my interpretation of Beelzebub for the rest of my life. Yeah, same. Like, I was like, yeah. I was confused when he was other things in, in other places. Bible. Yes. <laughs> yes, same. So... You have like this deck of monsters that you collect throughout the game, and you're—it's not open world. It's—it's it's, you have like a map. There's An overworld like, map. Yeah, and you choose—you select different areas to like essentially dungeons mm-hmm. to go into, and you explore these 3D areas. And they're very beautiful. They're all very unique. Yeah, and they're all. Um, the Some game... of them are grassy plains, and they look great on the GameCube. Right, and the game's running at 60 frames. It's like very smooth, yes. beautiful-looking game. Mm-hmm. Art direction is great. Mm-hmm. The battles are where it really ends up shining. Sure. Mm. Because you are building your deck for these encounter battles that you will experience when you're in these levels. Right. It's it's You're running around these levels, and they're they're pretty much empty. You're yeah. you're running around as Princess Katya in these like really labyrinthine open levels that truly like like there's nothing going on in them, but you right. they're the battles are random encounters, kind of yeah. like your traditional RPG. And the screen kind of blurs. Yeah, and, it, and you go into like a battle screen, which arena is style pocket, pocket arena, dimension. pocket dimension. Yeah, uh-huh. um, which interestingly, it it does take the area of the map that you are in and puts that. Terrain. Puts it in, yeah. It it makes it the battle terrain, and so yeah. like if you are near a crate while you enter, you know the random encounter happens, you can break that crate during battle, right? Which doesn't always have massive effects or anything, but just I mean, it's just interesting that one can only assume that it's due to the limitations of the GameCube that they had to like make the battle separate from like the whole overworld, sure, and like that processing. But it is interesting that like there's still enough like 
foresight and intentionality in the level design mm-hmm. that when you get into a random encounter battle, that small section of the map you're in becomes the arena right by design and there are absolutely gameplay elements that they incorporate like there are treasure chests that you can only reach by breaking those crates during battle exactly so that's awesome you know it's Mm. brilliant puzzle design using the mechanics that they had in place right and so the battles themselves you do get you do get teleported to like this separate battle scene Mm mm-hmm and the battles take place in real time, which is, I feel like it's, it's the central gimmick. Right. Is it's a deck building game, but it takes place in real time. Yes. When you encounter, when you enter these random battles, there are monsters appear on the field, enemy monsters appear on the field, walking around, attacking you. Mm-hmm. Full transparency, too. I played it. Like, we have it, and we've yeah. had it for a long time, but you played it pretty, like, pretty all, recently, within, all the way through. I played recently. it in 2022. Right. Um, and I spent all of eight hours with it because, surprisingly, that's all it takes to beat the game. Which was shocking to me to yeah. hear because I remember it being so long and well, pretty hard. I would have told you as kids that we spent hundreds of hours on it. You right. Know? Which, obvious exaggeration, but like, I don't know. I don't It was certainly probably harder as kids, mm. as eight-year-olds when this game came out or whatever. Sure. But... I mean, I just remember spending as much time with it as like a Ocarina of Time or sure. like a Zelda game, you know, yeah. like a whole full adventure game. Yeah. But um, it, it really, it turns out these levels that we've kind of discussed, they they can be pretty darn quick and straightforward. Uh, and I remember them being so labyrinthine and like confusing too. Some of them certainly are. A hundred percent. If not confusing, then deliberately obtuse you know what i mean just kind of repetitive like run to this corner and then run to this corner and then that corner and so like you know if if it wasn't a maze then it was a straight shot yeah but how many areas are there how many like levels quite a few i would i would estimate about 20 i don't have the number off the top of my head there are like it's it's nice there's a very clear quest line but then there are some quote-unquote bonus levels that unlock if you talk to people around the world. Yeah, I it, it, it was very interesting to me just how quickly I made it through the game. Um, didn't take away any enjoyment at all. It's fantastic, but unexpected. Sure. So the combat in function, it's deck building, but it's in real time. Yes. But what makes it interesting is not only just like the variety of the monsters... But like just the way the combat mechanics work in function, you you can't attack. Princess Katya has no offense or defense. Right. Um, you have four cards basically in your hand. I, I apparently it's news to me. They're shuffled from your whole deck. Yeah. Uh, but you have four cards randomly pulled to your hand uh, at any given moment, and they're mapped pretty like organically to like the a b x and y buttons on your gamecube controller Mm -hmm. and each card will perform whatever action that monster does and there's basically three different kinds of like movement moves right two three different functions of monsters there's a type that can be summoned onto the battlefield that end up moving independently and fighting 
and they are monsters. called independent. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have the terms? Yeah, I do actually. Okay. And then there's some that just like come out immediately as like an attack, like the crystal rose weapon type. Weapon type. And then there's some, it, and which those appear as if Katya is just swinging a sword. Immediately. Yeah, it's like an immediate attack. And and the the best example I can give is Lizard Man. Really, it's just it's a horizontal cross mm. chop across the body yeah. instantly. You tap the button and the sword swings immediately. Yes. It's, it's and then the he's gone. Yeah, and, and it's the closest it gets to like Katya having like an attack button. Right. The independent, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, you press the button and she tosses the card onto the field and the monster spawns. And the, the Venus flytrap Yeah, or will, the skeleton yes. appears on the field and starts fighting the enemy monsters. And you have no control over it after that point. Right. And then the third type, I guess if there's three types, there's a third type that, at least from my perspective, my memory, mm-hmm. it basically plays like an unskippable cutscene mm-hmm. every time. Um, like, for example, the lycanthrope, the wolfman, the werewolf, mm-hmm. you summon him and it plays the cutscene of him being spawned and he roars Roar! and, then he, and then he slashes right in front of you. Yes. Um, it's basically a glorified weapon type yes it is it kind of feels more like katya's like transforming into them that's true but they are called summon type cards and so you know take that how you will there's independent weapon and summon sure okay cool and the summon kinds i mean the the wolf person is Mm -hmm. an example but there's a fairy that heals you sure there is the mind flayer that so in all of these cards, when you use them, some the weapon types specifically have multiple uses mm-hmm. per card. Um, the summon types can last a certain amount of time on the field or a certain amount of health. Um, but generally, every time you use a card, it gets dismissed. You, That's right. And you can run out of cards from your deck. There is an invisible discard pile, yeah. and your deck starts with 30 cards. At the start of a level, you have 30 cards, but then... You can run out of those 30 cards by the end of the level mm-hmm. if you aren't careful, if you don't use Mind Flayer, as right, you were just yes. saying, to restore some cards yes. from your discard pile, your graveyard, whatever you want to call it. Mind Flayer, as, as, fun- yeah, as, as its function, brings back your cards mm-hmm. for the rest of the level. Yes. Also, you will find cards throughout the level that you can add to your deck at checkpoints, which... Is is really great game mechanic as well. Just the mm-hmm. fact that I mean, you're obviously going to have your cards expire as you move throughout, and to just be able to try out new things as you progress through a level, it it feels like great progression design. Sure, yeah, and like great balancing too, because it knows that you're going to be running out of cards, and so it supplies you with some more to use in the level. Absolutely. But the best part that I always like, the most exciting part. Oh. Is the loot at the end of the level? Yep. Because every level has ends with a boss, mm-hmm. some kind of cool boss monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the, mu- the music in this game is great. It really is. The music in this game is awesome. So great. Um, if not just, actually good, like melodies and tunes, then great ambiance. Yeah, and, great like, atmosphere. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I like just talking about the boss. Like the boss theme is like pop. Is, I mean, I mean, those. Would you call those flutes at the top? Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. Um, but anyway, every level ends with a really cool boss monster. But after you defeat it, you get your chance at some loot. Yes. You. It shows you like six. Yeah. Six cards face down. Mm-hmm. And you get to choose like 
at the beginning it starts like three, like choose three or no. so. No, it depends on how well you did during the level. Really? You get a one to five star rank depending on how many cards you used, how much damage you took. It's it doesn't show you those scores, but I can only imagine that's how it calculates it. Wow, I don't remember that. There's like but a you, ranking system. So if you get five stars, you get to pick three of those face down cards. If you get three or four, you get to pick two, and then if you get one or two stars, you get to pick one okay. of the face down cards. Interesting. And one of those six cards is, is the boss monster. Is the freaking boss monster? And it's so cool. You're like, oh, you're just crossing your fingers. You're yep. like. Oh. I, I feel like this is more of an end of conversation thing, but like you can't replay the levels until you beat the game either. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that either. Yeah. So wow. if you miss the boss, I mean, big whoop, the game's eight hours long. Sure. You'll, you'll be there in no and, time. And it's not like the boss monsters are like essential to completing. Like they're, no, sometimes they're, they're they pa- suck. Some of them suck. Some of them, like the Mind Flayer is a boss monster. Mm-hmm. It's that's practically essential to be the yes, game. At some point, you need a Mind Flayer card in your deck. Certainly. Um, but none of them are essential. They're just really cool to have. And yeah. it's just like, it's a good feeling to like beat the boss monster and then to get their card and be able to use their power. You want to hear something really cool that I'm curious if you even know if it's a function. You may. I would like to hear something really cool that I may not know if it's a function. I may. You've heard of card capture? Yeah. There is one more dynamic to this game that I really, I used a whole lot, actually, um, during my modern playthrough, but as children, we underutilized tremendously. I think I know about this. If you damage a monster enough, uh, a la Pokemon... um, Get them close to death, but not quite. Correct. You can throw a card... Using a special button, different than like your independent throw the monster out, you can throw a card at a monster and capture it. You can't do it with bosses, but if you see a cool monster, you can make it yours. Do you have to sacrifice one of your own? That's a good question. Like, I don't think you are transforming the throne card into... I think you get to keep both cards. But you are discarding that card for, from your for deck that level. for that level for that playthrough okay. correct interesting and so just that is a really interesting mechanic that they don't really explain very much throughout the game either mm. they they mention it once but then i don't know i you could totally miss it we totally missed it uh yeah. back then and it's it's not huge either but it's fun it's absolutely one way to win a battle. It is a really good way to fill out your card list. There are 105 different monsters in this game. And like, so one of them is Skeleton. The second one is Poison Skeleton. And the third one is Steel Skeleton. So there's a couple different family lines like that, you know, that reskins or something. Hmm. But there are 105 monsters on That's this obscure GameCube game from From Software in 2002 well each monster more well, or less well before like any sort of like major success from them yeah oh yes and each monster more or less having its own function entirely let alone animations and such too. yes i and mean design. the skeletons do behave differently i'll tell you that it's a really neat game 
there are some more intricacies to the battle system, like the elements. Yeah. Like, that I don't also don't remember much from as from playing as a kid. But each sure. monster kind of has like an elemental affinity, like fire, ice, or whatever. Right. I don't remember that coming to play a ton. So I did actually try strategically. to strategically. Right. I tried to pay attention to that a little bit during this most recent playthrough because the levels do inform you what type of monsters are going to be there. And so I believe it's a four-way kind of circle. Really? Um, where, you know, it's it's a four-way paper, rock, scissors type thing. Fire, um, wood, ice, I mean, water or fire, something. Fire, wood, water, and earth, actually. Okay. Wood and earth are separate, but in my mind, maybe should be together. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't feel like it played that much of a difference. Because each monster, like... Again, like in the real time battle system, func- just like functions so differently mm-hmm. that it's more so about like what executing the correct monster and card at the right time, more yeah. so than elemental it, concerns. Right. It it matters more that you're summoning like monsters that will just dis- like onto the field that will distract the enemies. Right. More so than like using the right element against mm-hmm. all of them. Oh, we have failed to mention the mana as well. That's that's another little intricacy that I that I did want to get into because I remember yeah. it being annoying. It actually works really well in my opinion. Um, I can understand how it could be remembered as annoying, but I, I do think it's effective. So essentially, you start the game with 10 crystals. Like Katia has 10 mana crystals, and each card might cost 1, 2, or 3. Like a, uh, a skeleton is kind of good, so it's probably going to cost 2. And um, so basically, like when you're using a card, you're not only expending the card, you're using your, some of your mana as well. Yes, it's not. It, it's more than one resource, kind of. Yeah, yeah. There's there is certainly another resource management aspect in play here, and so you can't just spam cards. You right. know what I mean? I think I that that's the best reason. You know, explanation for it really is just you can't toss out a hundred cards at once and win the battle. And so your skeleton will cost two. Your your lycanthrope will cost four. Do another lycanthrope, and you're out of mana. However, when you're striking enemies, they will drop these crystals. You pick them up throughout the battle. You you so you're kind of constantly refilling your your crystals as you go. There's an economy at play almost. Yeah, absolutely. Which can get stressful because. You have to destroy monsters to use your monsters. Yes. And when what I do remember is when you're out of mana, mm-hmm. it uses your health. You can still summon cards, but it'll start taking from your health pool, which is when battles get really tight. Yeah, really tense. And and that's cool because that's what I remember about like some of the visual cues. The design is that the cards in your hand will turn will turn black and white instead yes. of their full color when it's like you can't you don't have enough mana to use this. You can't this. afford to use this. You're yeah. going to lose some health. And I remember just like all of my cards being black and white <laughs> because I didn't know any better. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. And, and you're obviously your both your health and your crystal pool grow throughout the game as you collect the runes that Princess Katia has to go throughout the world to collect to dispel the black mist. The story is not necessarily inspired, but it is... It's functional. It's functional and a little bit better than I would have told you, actually. Like, I mean, it's interesting. There are gravestones you can read throughout the world and people to talk to that will fill you in. 
mm. on the context of why you're in that level or what happened to this town that you're actually walking through. You yeah. know, it's not like a live world, but soldiers will be like, oh, Princess Katya, what are you doing here? Like, we just lost this battle. You shouldn't be here. Yeah, it I mean, getting ahead of ourselves, but it remind like it's again, like there's some strands of DNA connecting tissue from Dark Souls. Like there's, it doesn't force feed you the story. Like you, you're really just kind of dropping into these areas and Mm -hmm. like running through them linearly, but they're really rich areas. There's lots of lore in them. Uh They're like very distinct visually, aesthetically locations. And you're like, you're going to them for a reason. And yeah, like there's a lot of them have like dying soldiers in them that you can talk to. And they're like, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Get out of here. And like yeah, like gravestones and signs and stuff. Like there, there's world building there, but it's subtle, and mm. you kind of have to seek it out a little bit, right? Yes, that's perhaps the most one of the most delicious. You you phrase that very well. That's perhaps one of the most delicious pieces of DNA that yeah I think you've identified there. Um, is is really just yes, it's subtle storytelling, and mm. it's there if you want it. But ultimately, I mean, the game is about like. Kicking ass and playing cards. And, yeah, with cool monsters. And the, I listen to any Pokemon monster collecting episode. I'm a sucker for monster collecting, and that's what this is. Yeah. But what's most important about the story, and truly maybe my favorite trope in video games, uh-huh. like of all time, is when you face a boss or an enemy that is you, like your equal. Yeah. And like and oh, like truly equal rival. Sure, I think... and and depending on the game, and and like just for examples that we covered, wonderful one hundred and one. It's the guys, Uh huh. Um, it's like the people, like it's a rival team of one hundred that you fight with that uses your same unite morphs. Oh uh, yeah. TBT. You know, in Zelda, it's maybe like Gear Him or Shadow Link. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shadow um, Link is yeah that one. Yeah. And in even in, in, and in Dark Souls and Elden Ring, you like there, you fight. There are bosses, story bosses that are other players. Uh-huh. You know, and oh, spoiler, spoiler. Fast forward, Dark Souls three, the final boss is something like that. Spoilers. <laughs> anyway, Lost Kingdoms. There is a a twice repeated boss fight that is against another card handler card player wielder i think they might have called them wielder Uh, i don't know okay um and that's i mean yeah all the boss monsters are super cool and it's cool that you get them Mm -hmm. but what really matters is that you fight another card wielder and that's awesome i love that stuff and she has cool cards yeah that are better than yours yeah and and what's different here though is you're not attacking the monsters that she throws out you're You're fighting fighting her yes you finally get to use your monsters against another human it's it's not your it's not your monsters fighting each other it's like you're trying to defeat her it is very cool. I, I, that's funny. I that you call it a trope because it sure is. I would love to dissect that. Ooh, a oh little my more. Goodness, I could, I could go on and that's on. That's a concept. It's, it's a concept and a half, my mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, I'll, I'll write a one off about it someday. Well, how about that multiplayer though? <laughs> what multiplayer? Are you serious? No, I'm not. Uh, I remember the multiplayer. It was fun. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was actually pretty decent. Is it? four player or is it no, just two player? it's only two player 
Um, it's interesting. They actually banned some cards from multiplayer, like really? Mind Flayer. You actually can't use him. And then um, there really, there's like one more probably game breaking card that like mm-hmm. just wouldn't function in multiplayer. Sure, but you can still use like heals. What I do remember about the multiplayer is that you can. The GameCube was a. Uh under in a in a way that like that kind of generation of consoles was kind of underappreciated is that you could bring your own memory card with your own character's deck oh man and fight each other's decks jesse if you're listening i miss you (laughs) yeah i i i had a friend and and man we like he had the game Mm -hmm. i had the game we had the game you know And and it's an obscure game it is but we were able to battle decks. Yeah. Custom and that's decks. Awesome. Wild. Because otherwise, if you're just playing, like, I don't know, local, locally, I guess, on a, a single memory card, it's just you're fighting the same deck, sort of, right? You would be using my decks that I had built. Yeah. Which is cool and still fun. Like, it's fun that there's a multiplayer, like, a versus multiplayer mode at all. But, like, that's such a cool concept that, like, you could be fighting someone... That has their own deck that, that mo- with monsters that you don't and character's have. character's name. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you're fighting that other person. You can rename Princess Katya in the right. game. And so like, yeah, you are literally fighting. That, that's, that was rare for the GameCube. Man, I don't even know if I... Well... Animal Crossing it's is a, one of the only other games that I can think of that... I think I think there are a lot of like I'm thinking of like Sonic Adventure with like Chow stuff. Mm. I think there are a lot of games that did it. We've just forgotten. Sure, it's just like a kind of like a lost art, a lost function of video games. Yeah, I talk about e-readers. I talk about e-readers a lot. That's another lost like. Yeah, I don't know. There's you you had to use that to unlock lots of different things. And like I don't know, just something like a DS download play. (laughs) Like we could (sighs) like we could wax poetic about that forever. Mm -hmm. Like just like lost conveniences and functions of old video games yeah but this is what nintendo's is for is it not absolutely i'm feeling pretty good about our lost kingdoms discussion thus far i i feel like i've said i feel like i've given it the proper praise that i intended to we've covered most of the game mechanics that make it what it is you know what are we missing the kingdoms they're lost. They, they must be found. Oh God. Um. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Lost Kingdoms too. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of a lot. Like, I feel like we've been pretty comprehensive about most of the game without just like detailing <laughs> the little things that are cool about it. Yeah. And getting too into it, other than that, like, I don't know. Again, it's not been remade or remastered for anything or ever, mentioned or <laughs> mentioned canonically by From Software or Nintendo. I mean, here's hoping for something in the future, since sure. From Software is like the it developer right now. Right. Um, but yeah, it's kind. Of, it's really, it really lives up to its title. It's just kind of like a lost gem to time. It if is. you can find a copy, how much are copies? So complete copies are running about fifty dollars, which is wow. That's that's I, not nearly as bad as I expected. I would say it is worth it you can get the disc only i'm actually seeing right now thirty dollars um that's definitely worth it and so this like is a game worth your time it for th- yes if you have a gamecube and thirty dollars to spare i swear you won't regret playing this short as it may be there's replay value in recollecting the cards in replaying the levels like it's it's a gym yeah <coughs> emulator. sorry what was did that, you say is that english what did you say i don't know um, I blacked out for a second. But hey, this is all right. 
listener, this is a real-life grovel. (laughs) If you own Lost Kingdoms 2, and you are willing to part with it for, I don't know, less than the $100 that everybody on the internet wants, I promise you I will buy it from you and love it so much. It will find a good home. Lost Kingdoms 2 is a beast of its own that I'm dying to play because you know what? They take out the pocket dimension. Yeah. It's all, it's it is like real, real time, real, real time. time, real time. Like you don't go into battles. It's you're exploring this, like the overworld and the, the monsters, monsters are there like running around still deck based. Yes. Brayden is emphatically vibrating. Like I am dying to play. Th- and you want it. What's so weird. So, so weird. I'm confident we, we rented it. But I only remember one scene, and I swear it was for the PS2, <laughs> which is so weird. It's not for the PS2. It's GameCube only. That is correct. Um, yeah, I mean, to talk, like that's kind of like I feel like two. I mean, obviously, two is twice the price mm-hmm. of. I mean, the going price these days as the original for the GameCube. Um, but I feel like two is just like more nebulous anyway. Like I feel like it, oh, it's much more obscure than the first one. Yeah, which is so. I mean, it's just, it's wild that the, it got a sequel at all. Yes. It's about a different princess. It's a different setting. Mm-hmm. It, it is a sequel, this, though. I yeah, it, and it's the same gameplay. It's still card-based deck mm-hmm. building, but it's, yeah, instead of you in entering these battles, it's like the monst- all the enemies are running around the world yeah. in real time. It's interesting. It gives me the heebie-jeebies to think about. I'm, I really, like, it, it's... What if it epic- sucks? That's fine i just <laughs> i just need to know it is at the top of my want to buy list you know what i mean it sure. is my it is my uh golden goose it is my grail at the moment yeah. yeah um and i mean it's not that expensive compared to some other games but just a hundred dollars for for something that's so forgotten yes it seems... it's not it's not like it's like panzer dragoon uh like saga or whatever the three thousand dollar one is <laughs> yeah you know? no i just I feel like I'm going to stumble upon it somewhere for a reasonable price. Um, I'm looking to stumble with you. All right. Um, I'm keeping an eye out, I promise. I, I appreciate it. And listener, if you will too, hey, keep me in the know. For sure. Should we stumble into our next stepping stone of From Software? I would love to, but I do kind of have to pee okay. for realsies. And I'm gonna, do you want anything? Do you need a beer? Man, I'm, I really am loaded. Beers. Beyblade's cool. Beyblade is cool. I've never played a Beyblade video game. Though. Me neither, but I just mean real Beyblade's cool. Right. Like, I wish it wasn't called Beyblade. I wish it was like marbles. I wish it was more generic and it was just tops and then we could battle tops and it wasn't nerdy. I think that probably exists too and it's probably more nerdy than Beyblade. <clears throat> Dare I say. Before before we stumble on, I just, I looked up Prices of Lost Kingdoms 2 and it's $150 now. I bet it's Elden Ring's fault. Uh- I'm pissed. <laughs> When was the last time you checked? Before Elden Ring came out. Like, I mean, I... Really? Like, y- like shortly before, or like... Y- yes. I mean, I, I check Facebook probably weekly. I, I just uh, Google Lost Kingdoms, or I just search Lost Kingdoms 2 on Marketplace, hoping it's, like, in a lot, or, you know, something. But... That's crazy. Uh, yeah. The cheapest one I see in my quick search now is 150 Wowie wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm with you, listeners. If you've got a collection of GameCube games in your closet or in your attic that you haven't looked at, 
double check for us. Mm-hmm. We will we will buy do it. something. Yeah, I mean, like I'm 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 in it too. I want this game as well. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let us continue to stumble, shall we? Let's do it. So, Dark Souls, man. What do you, what do you say about it? Because I'm about to have. That's right. Okay. I um, could I could have. I mean. So me, stop. Let me try. I'm going to include you though. I'm sitting. I'm standing back. So Dark Souls is a series that I am much less familiar with than Connor. It has formed a genre that if you're a nerd, you are aware of. If you're not, um, we will explain. But it is uh, it is a foundational game to what gaming is now in the year 2022. And I imagine for more years to come than I can imagine. Dark Souls came out in 2011. Thank you, Connor, for reminding me. And again, I am much less familiar with it. I have played Dark Souls, and I have played Dark Souls 3. I skipped two, and I have beaten none of them. I then, a few years ago, played Sekiro, which is in my top ten games of all time. And then we've played Elden Ring. I just wanted to kind of lay out the difference in experience here because Connor is about to take off into the stratosphere about Dark Souls and the impact it's had on his life. Because, I mean, it, it, I don't know. I think, I think it might be his favorite game. I'm not sure. I don't know if Dark Souls 1 is. I think I'm good. You can go. Did I give you a cue to start off on? Like a, a good foothold? First of all, I just want to acknowledge how much it warms my heart to hear that Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is in your top 10 games of all time. Maybe. I think so. That's wonderful to hear. Sekiro will we'll get into it. Probably in the Elden Ring episodes. Thank you. Okay, good. Sekiro is... Stay tuned for Elden Ring because I have Sekiro thoughts to bring into that. Oh my god. Like, that, like Lost Kingdoms to Dark Souls to Elden Ring is skipping so many steps mm-hmm. of the from software process. Sekiro is a game from from software and from the same director as the Dark Souls and Elden Ring in between those two um and it's a wonderful game and again warms my heart to hear you say that <laughs> that it's so highly regarded because Unfortunately is it has never touched Nintendo consoles and I don't foresee it ever making it. Probably not. Um, yes, everything Braden said is true. It may very well be my favorite game of all time, singular game. Um, it won the, do you, do you know what I'm referring to when I say like the joystick greatest game of all time award? No, I, no, I guess I didn't, I didn't know about that. What year was that? Last year. Named, wow. 2021. Dark Souls was named Joystick, like Joystick with a Q. Yeah. Um, their greatest game in gaming history award. Mm-hmm. A- award accolade. Yeah. Like, I don't was know. It a, was it a list? Did they, you know, make a top 10 or top 50 or anything? I don't or did remember. It, you, did you, okay. I don't but remember. But it won. It, yes. it was it. Whether it was like a list or it was like a, hey, we're at like the fifth decade of video game history. Let's like make a wrap up. I don't know what their reasoning for it was, but Dark Souls won 
uh-huh. made their greatest game of all time. Um, and, and that's just one publisher. Sure. But again, if you go to Wikipedia and you go to like Dark Souls and then it's like Dark Souls is a game release, whatever. <laughs> the first thing is says is Dark Souls is considered one of the greatest games of all time. Mm-hmm. Widely. Um, sure. All that being said, Brayden, do you remember where you were roughly fall of 2011? October, oh. November, September. What year of high school were you in? What were you doing? What were you looking forward to? That was my senior year, actually. I was I graduated in 2012, so that was the fall before I graduated. I was I don't know, having a good old time. Dark Souls was not part of my everyday life. So true. It was not part of many people's everyday lives. Do you know what was? Dark Souls came out October 2011. Do you remember what came out 11-11-11? Holy cow. That's Skyrim. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dark Souls was a blip when it came out. Oh my gosh. Dark Souls was a flash in the pan when it came out. It came out originally for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, not even PC yet. Mm -hmm. Just the two consoles. It was a weird sequel, spiritual successor to Demon's Souls, which came out in 2009 exclusively for the PlayStation 3 and was considered a failure. Demon's Souls was a failure. Really? Initially. I, sure. I mean, I believe that. I that um and until Hidetaka Miyazaki, who directed Demon's Souls, mm-hmm. um Demon Souls got like a little more traction as time went by, closer to 2011. Yeah. And Dark Souls in 2011 was critically mostly acclaimed. Um it was well revered. It got mostly positive scores, mostly. But the main thing is that it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And that just sounds so. People just like dismiss that these days. Everything is. If something is too tough, it's the Dark Souls of something. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Cool. Yes. Yes. Dark okay. Souls is a cultural cornerstone. Now. Now. If some like... I was going to say, in what regard do they dismiss it? Yeah. Because, like, because yes. But, but also, like, gaming, like, the gaming landscape, difficulty, challenge, mm-hmm. is something that's so matter-of-fact. It's so, you know? Yeah. Breath of the Wild, yeah, you're going to die 1,000 times before you beat it. That's just how it works. It's a Zelda game, mm-hmm. and it's still accessible, but it's tough as nails, and that's just how it is. Yep. In 2011, the month before Skyrim came out, and itself revolutionized gaming sure. for a decade, there's still not a new Elder Scrolls. Right, right. Since then. It is, I mean, yeah. Elder Scrolls Online, whatever. Doesn't count. Gaming, like, it's just, like, in the same way that we just talked about memory cards and the GameCube and, like, those old antiquated innovations that we don't have anymore mm-hmm. like the gaming the cultural gaming landscape was just different 10 years ago oh yeah and this notion of 
a tough as nails game <laughs> wasn't marketable. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just kind of that like, was a mode that you had to select. Right. That was yeah. an option that you signed up for. You wanted to play very hard mode, one hit kill mode. And it was a mode mostly relegated to the PC gamer audience. Mm-hmm. The PC gamers were like the like hardcore. As it were. Like hardcore, I would maybe like there's more than one definition. At that at the yes. time, a hardcore gamer could have been somebody that loved Call of Duty. Call of Duty four, Modern so, Warfare. You're so right. At the time. You know what I mean? Black Ops. Yep. There are console hardcore gamers. Console games were casual games. Mm-hmm. They're filled with tutorials. They're cinematic experiences. There's nothing... Like, it's so hard to understand in retrospect, if you weren't there, mm-hmm. just how different Dark Souls was when it came out. Because Sky- Skyrim hadn't even come out. Yeah. And Skyrim's <laughs> the most accessible... Skyrim is like... I don't know, maybe next to Minecraft, like the most sold game of all time, probably. Uh-huh. Skyrim. Uh-huh. Sure. A month before. Mm-hmm. Um, the game that everybody's played, even non-gamers. Yeah. Next to Minecraft. Or Mario, maybe. Mm-hmm. Nintendo Gems. <laughs> <laughs> all that to say, I got Dark Souls on launch day. On launch. Look I got... at this. Look at this cool kid. Look at me go. <laughs> I, I didn't play Demon's Souls. Yeah. I'd heard of it. We, we never we... had a... We've never owned a PS3. Yeah. We both have a PS4 now. Mm-hmm. And a PS... Yeah. yeah. Olds. Right. But, <laughs> um, but we've never owned a, P- a PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. So I miss Demon's Souls. I, st- I... This is my only caveat to everything that comes f- from now, is I still haven't played Demon's Souls. Even the remaster? Even the remaster. Because it's PS5 only, and we oh, can't do a PS5. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to. Oh my god, I would give an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. However, I haven't played Demon Souls. Dark Souls was my first Souls game. Um and launch day. And launch day. Yeah, and I got the limited edition. I still have the art book. I recall on my shelf. How did you know? Because it looked cool. No, but I mean like I don't know. It, it it was that obscure, and it's not like you were like, "Oh, From Software made Lost Kingdoms and I like sure. that game." Oh I'm no, I didn't it. know that at like, all. Really it just looked cool. You think? Because it's my kind of game. You were you were 16. How do you know? Because it's my kind of game. Okay. Uh, I was 16, but I was playing... Monster Super- Hunter, Super Meat Boy. Monster Hunter, yeah, Super Meat Boy. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. That's exactly when it came out. Uh-huh. Is like this very, very beginning. Dark Souls came out at like concurrently with this like the very beginning of this slope upward with the indie game scene mm. where retro styled tough as nails platformers yeah. were starting to become vogue mm-hmm. super meat boy i want to be the guy it I kind of a dime a dozen sure cave story shovel knight wasn't far off mm-hmm. not that that was like super tough celeste is more modern but a more yeah. modern interpretation right yeah, like the, these retro style, like retro sensibility, if nothing else, if not retro styled mm-hmm. games that were, that had this design sensibility of games from the 80s and um, some 90s where they were 
the replay value comes in their short, tight package, but you die a lot. Yeah. And they require a lot of finesse and replay val- and um, replaying levels and challenges until you get good enough at it mm-hmm. that you can conquer it. It's really, really... Repeatedly. Repeatedly. Which is absolutely old-fashioned. Take the NES. I mean, you can't continue. You have to restart every single time, and you don't beat the game until you can beat the game the whole way through in one try. The original Super Mario Bros. was intended by design from Shigeru Miyamoto himself for everyone to be able to pick up and play and enjoy and beat with enough time. With enough time. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's a game you spend $60 on, and that's your game for a while. Yeah. You know? And you and you and that's what you, you play level 1-1 over and over until you can beat it without flaw. Mm-hmm. And that's just how games were. And that was a, a sensibility that was lost by 2011 in the public. The Ubisoft model. The Ubisoft... I, I, I mean, I'm not going to look it up right now. I don't even know if Far Cry 3 was out yet. Assassin's Creed was on its way. Obviously, it definitely was out. Assassin's Creed was that. Sure. Is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Ubisoft like that model was certainly starting. Yeah. As well. Mm-hmm. So like this in in the in the public sphere, gaming was. I mean, I don't know. It was generally very casual uh-huh. console gaming. Yeah. But again, so I like those retro sensibilities. I mm-hmm. like challenging games. I like games that test your skill and your metal. I like games that you really have to dive in and like understand mm-hmm. to overcome mm-hmm. i really like monster hunter and i'd played a lot of monster hunter by this time and dark souls is clearly extremely influenced by monster hunter and that's what i heard about it i was like here's this like not triple a big budget game mm-hmm. but like big budget enough that it's multi-platform yeah it's like big in concept yes um and big in execution this large fantasy game mm-hmm. that's tough as nails. And like that, at that time, nothing like that existed. Nothing. Dragon's Dogma was not out. Really? That was the next year. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. And, and dark, like Souls-like is a genre now. That's mm-hmm. a genre. Yep. It's crazy. Anyway, yes. 2011, October, I got on a launch day and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it then. Still love it now. Have you, <sighs> have you played every iteration of Souls born yes. since besides Demon Souls? Yes. Um so that's D- Dark Souls 1, 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Sekiro. Sekiro Shadows Die twice and now Elden Ring. And now Elden Ring, yeah. There is since arguably since Demon Souls now, definitely since Dark Souls, there has been a a new template for the From Software game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Their their gameography, as we earlier said, uh, <laughs> to coin a term. Yes, it, it, it's it's a funny shift because they have a ho- they they've been around for a long time. From Software has made a lot of games. Armored Core. Yeah, and that's that's like, something that we haven't really touched on. Mm-hmm. Is like but even before Lost Kingdoms and like even. Anything from, like, basically, the majority of From Software's output pre-Dark Souls all the way to the beginning... Who cares? ...is mostly Armored Core. Yes. Armored Core is a mech game series. It's a that for, mostly for PlayStation. Armored Core 
is a game where you play a like you it's a, a giant robot and yeah. you're blowing up other giant robots. It's a mech it's, game. It's sci-fi and it's generally tough as nails, but it's like it's just different audience completely. Yeah. Or Lost Kingdoms-esque Lost to Time. Right, exactly. Um Eternal Ring, Evergrace. From Software has made many games for random consoles, Lost to Time, mostly Armored Core. And so again, Despite Lost Kingdoms, Demon Souls was a shift change. Hidetaka Miyazaki was the director for that game. And it shows mm-hmm. because he was the director for every other major From Software game to come after that. Right. Dark Souls 1, 3, Sekiro, Bloodborne, Elden Ring. Did you notice I missed one in there? Dark Souls 2. Really? Is infamously not directed by Miyazaki. And it shows. Isn't that strange? Is it worth diving into now why that is? It, Why he wasn't a part of it? I don't... I actually don't really know the why. Uh-huh. Um, maybe he was working... They might have been in, like, the heat of Bloodborne by then, probably. Mm, interesting. For PS4. Maybe. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not really sure the why exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's certainly worth diving into, like, what makes it different. Because it's palpable. Mm-hmm. It's still good, but it's palpable. But before we... <laughs> Before we get too ahead of ourselves, I guess I should explain what Dark Souls is. Right? <laughs> yeah? I mean, yeah. Take it slow. Like Yeah. Well, and and just to just to frame it completely, you know, Dark Souls came out in 2011 as we've as I've repeated ad nauseum, um wasn't was well received but not popular. Far from popular. And also janky as hell when it, upon release. Okay. Since then, it's been patched and, I mean, remastered and such. Mm-hmm. And now it's um, marginally more functional than it was yeah. at, a, at in vanilla stage, as it were. Sure. Um, but when it was on the 360 and the PS3 at launch, a little janky. Um, it got a large niche cult following over time because as this, like, sense this general public sensibility towards like retro tough games and like the PC hardcore scene mm-hmm. grew interest. The like the interest in Dark Souls grew and so they finally announced a PC port of the game along with DLC for the core game. Yeah. And those released concurrently. Um the DLC for the console versions and the new PC version with the DLC included. Nice. Launched at the same time and the PC, like the the PC release, is basically what like vitalized the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the crowd that it needed. Sure. Um, and that's and the PC version of these games is basically what's I mean practically understood as like the canon versions at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rip PC Elden Ring. Right. <laughs> I don't. I I have friends that are playing it on PC. I just yeah I've heard yeah spotty things. Sure. I mean uh, I mean PS4 too. Dare I say, I've had some issues. I'm vibing, bro. <laughs> good for you yeah yeah and but the and the dark souls P- pc release initially was horrible mm-hmm. horrible that's kind of a trend for from software and porting and remastering their things is they're really bad at it <laughs> they're really great at making games but as far as like putting them on different hardware yeah. really bad at it is it just because it's such a fragile system that they've created you know such a fine-tuned really yeah i mean i think so i think like the frame like the way with like the multiplayer works and the uh-huh. always online kind of works like i think the framework is just like so 
the bones are just so shaky uh-huh. and so thin yeah. that like porting it to a different platform is is just like I don't know. It just makes you're making a different skeleton. Yeah, it's like it's like you've built a house of cards, but you have to like mm-hmm. take like you have to like move the table that it's on yeah. somewhere else, yeah. you know, and you have to like keep it intact. It's just like it's probably gonna go wrong. <laughs> um, so the PC that PC release, um, I believe in 2013 mm-hmm. for Dark Souls. Wow. Right. Two years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the PC release janky, and it took like a day one fan made patch to make it playable. Uh huh. Um. And then since then, there has been Dark Souls remastered, which is the official remaster from 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 software, um, where they released it on modern consoles, Xbox One, PlayStation Four, a new version for PC, and most importantly, a version for the Nintendo Switch. Heyo! Welcome to our show. Crazy! It's unfathomable that Dark Souls is on the Nintendo Switch. It's bizarre. You think? Yes. Yes. In in what respect? That From Software had come so far, like, you know, hadn't touched Nintendo in a while, or just that Nintendo Switch is not the console for Dark Souls? All of the above. Okay. The fact that From, so- that from Software, I mean, at this point, like, this is post-Sekiro, I'm pretty sure. I think you're right. That they put Dark Souls on the Switch. Yeah. That From Software has returned to Nintendo at all. I don't know that Nintendo would deem Dark Souls like a game for the Switch. Mm-hmm. That Dark Souls, with this shaky framework, again with the always online thing, like the yeah. way the multiplayer works, that like with this half portable console, mm-hmm. that they decided they were they were just gonna make it work, and that it kind of does. Yeah. And again, even beyond the framework, like the even beyond the multiplayer network stuff. From software is just bad at porting their games, and the Switch port of Dark Souls is like the worst way to play Dark Souls. <laughs> I be- yeah yeah like the visual. You're not the first I've heard that from. Yeah, and I mean I think it's honestly nothing but perfectly reasonable. You know, I don't know because I think it's just a bad port job. I really do. Because okay, fair. Because uh, yes, I think if the 360 can handle it, the Switch should be able to. So yeah, it's probably exactly. a poor job. I agree. And and Dark Souls 2 even originally came out on 360 and PS3. Mm-hmm. It's more known for its updated ports. Yeah. But theoretically, Dark Souls 2 could run on Switch. But I, I can't like, if they tried, I feel like it would just like make my Switch explode. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. It's just wacky that um, they made it work at all. Despite the track record, mm-hmm. this is why I'm allowed to talk about it on the show. Is because it's on a Nintendo console, and Yay. there's a Solaire Amiibo that I really want. Oh my gosh! How I wonder how much that runs these days. Probably too much. I haven't looked it into it. Again, listeners, if you find Lost Kingdoms two or a Solaire Amiibo, praise the sun. Praise the sun. You know where to send them. Yeah. Well, okay, I. You're a little bit cooler than I thought you were being a day one Souls fan. I, and, right. and I'll give you that without the Demon Souls. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think you count. You're so generous. I, it's cool. I, it's weird. Did you like it when you started it? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Even did you, did you, you were 16, probably 15. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have, I mean, so you answered my question. You had fun, but like, I mean, did you suck at it? 
Yes. I for still suck long? at it. I still suck at at from heretofore known as the From Software game. Mm-hmm. This post Demon Souls like template that they've stuck with yeah. through Elden the Ring. The Soulsborn. The Soulsborn game as it were. Um I suck at them still. Okay, cool. Like Me we'll too. get into it, but we're st- we're both still in the middle of Elden Ring uh-huh. with po- like both over 100 hours <laughs> and we're like not near the finishing line. Yeah. Um Yeah, I sucked at it. And I sucked at Monster Hunter for a long time too. Mm-hmm. I did suck at Dark Souls. I mean, I hear people beating Elden Ring in like 50, 60, 70 hours. I feel sad for them. I do too. But I mean, it took me like 150 hours to beat my first total run through of Dark Souls 1. Vanilla Dark Souls. Um, on a console. No friends I knew were playing it. Mm-hmm. No, no, nobody was playing it. I didn't yeah. know a soul that was playing it, but because everybody was playing Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, I, but I enjoyed it. I really did. I really... I mean, I don't know if back then I would have said it was like my favorite game of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's taken... You know, people aren't just following the hype, generally. It's it's a game that captures you. It is that quality. It It's janky. It's a game of its time. It's mm-hmm. been since improved, and obviously we'll get into that with Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. And like its sequels and such... Um, there are parts of it that have been improved, but it is such a tight, admirably def- designed experience mm. that if you choose to invest in it, it it will capture you. It's just such a such a captivating gaming experience that captures so much of what I love about video games mm-hmm. and. I know I recently talked about Undertale and how much I love it. I would say that Undertale, while an, an also almost like perfect gaming experience and like mm-hmm. almost also, I mean, I don't know, one of the greatest of all time, just like a pinnacle gaming experience that like kind of hits all, all high marks of what you yeah. would want from an interactive ex, like experience. Yeah, I would say Undertale generally appeals more to my right brain. The sensitive parts. Yes. It, it's got a solid. It's got a solid story with endearing characters, and yes. it like it tugs my heartstrings. Holy cow! These are some shower thoughts I had, but keep going. Yeah, <laughs> but Dark Souls is my left brain. Yeah, you know, it's got the deep gameplay with the wide breadth of the world and the possibility and the different character builds mm-hmm. and the different ways to approach any situation and any challenge. And it's also got, like, the story, the characters, and the deep lore and world building that, like we said with the Lost Kingdoms, is subtle. And sought out. And, yeah, you have, if you want to, it's there, but you have to seek it out. Otherwise, you are Ghost Man fighting Zombie Man. Exactly, yeah. You're killing this giant dragon whose body is made of teeth in the sewers. For some reason. And nobody's telling... Which is tell- cool. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Enjoy yourself. Nobody's telling you why. Mm-hmm. I- <laughs> so, okay. Dark Souls is an action RPG. Um, It's heavily Monster Hunter. I- Monster Hunter is a good, a good jumping off point. Because what Dark Souls... If Dark... If, um, if Monster Hunter is all boss fights, mm-hmm. you know... Mm-hmm. This is how I th- this is how I re- distinctly remember thinking about it when it came out because this is really what it was at its time. Okay. 
it monster hunter is all boss fights mm-hmm. you know yeah it's the it's the yeah. fights against the monsters these big huge monsters that are damaged sponges that you fight for 15 20 minutes mm-hmm. but between that it's just like you're following them you're mm-hmm. running around this empty open world and you're just kind of going after them yeah Dark Souls is filling the gaps between all of the boss fights. Uh-huh. It's these huge damage spongy boss fights, but there's this actual like video game in between them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, there are regular enemies and a story, and development and world building <laughs> between it all. Yes, actually bothering to interconnect it. And I gotta say, I feel like so. Yes, terrific like analogy. But also, I do feel like even comparing the Dark Souls bosses to a Monster Hunter monster is perhaps selling Souls design short, you know? Yes, it is. Um, Monster Hunter is a beautiful and well-crafted and exquisitely designed game, but Souls is still something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's an action RPG. Not in the Skyrim way. It's different from Skyrim. It didn't take off like Skyrim because it's deeper and more complex. Can I, may I, please, may I throw out another word? Do. Roguelike is the word. Because Uh, there's, there's, there's something in there in that the, you restart each time you die, not the random map part. Correct. Again, that like, like the dawn of that movement in the indie sphere. Because even roguelites and roguelikes were just starting to take off. Binding of Isaac. Binding of Isaac. Maybe. No, maybe not even. Because Super Meat Boy had just come out. And that's the same developer, Edward Edward McMillan. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely correct. Like, again, that same, like, tough as nails retro sensibility. You hit your head against this challenge over and over and over and over and over until the wall starts to cave in. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, you're, you're on the right track. Yeah. Um, bits and pieces of other genres and designs i mean this is why souls like is a genre now mm-hmm. dark souls is an action rpg <laughs> um some a lot of people say metroidvania because the world design is open it's more in the way that like a, a metroid game is, it's truly like a metroid game is open in that a metroid game there's an intended path and in Dark Souls, there's an intended path. It's an open world, but there's sequence breaking. Mm. You can easily take the wrong path, 100%. but brute force your way through it yep. and accidentally do the thing you were supposed to do second first. Yeah. You know what I mean? At they Dark... give you that option. Completely. You just and don't and they don't explain it. Right. It's an option at hand and it's and it's only explained through organic game design. At so Dark Souls opens. Okay, the story of Dark Souls. Let's start there. The world. You can censor this if you want. The world is in a state of. Uh, it is at the tail end of an age of fire. The world is in a cycle of an age of fire. These words are intentionally ambiguous. Yes. Long, long, long. Like prehistoric times, there were dragons. That's generally kind of before the world Mm -hmm. then suddenly there was fire and humanity sprouted and they waged war against the dragons and gods and stuff and there was an age of fire and and prosperity and Mm -hmm. humans and life blossomed and then time passes and this cycle continues too long 
it gets corrupted over time. Mm-hmm. There's cycles of life and death is a very, very, and like the futility yes. of life is inherent is it's interwoven into the gameplay design of dark souls. Yep. You find yourself, the player character, you are an undead. This cycle of fire, there's a, there's a phenomenon called the dark sign that starts appearing on people and mm-hmm. that causes them to be undead. When they die, they are reborn ah. and it just, they, it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And every time they die, they are yeah, reborn. They're reborn. They, and this cycle of undeath, it causes people to go insane. Mm-hmm. And that's called going hollow. And this kingdom has been, this age of fire has gone on too long. This cycle of rebirth and prosperity has... It's, it's beyond ageless now. The cycle... The flame is fading. There are embers, but it's fading. Mm-hmm. And you are this undead that is in the undead asylum where all these undead are corralled. Yep. and hoarded and you are the ch- but you open the game as the chosen undead someone chooses you you are given an estus flask which is your main source of healing you open the game in the undead asylum and you play your way through the tutorial it teaches you all these important mechanics how the combat works this visceral timing based reflexive combat much like monster hunter and once you are out of the asylum you enter the world of lordran Lordran, the world, the mm-hmm. the realm of lords, where these four lords of Lordran are essentially guarding the lord souls that you need to into the cycle, more or less resuscitate the fire, more or less because you can and you and you you don't have to. <laughs> this is kind of i mean it's spoilers for the ending but like mm-hmm. you can choose to or t- you can choose not to yeah not everyone is in a state of f- um there are human characters and there are beautiful little oases of humanity and levity mm-hmm. and their dialogue and their voice acting is 10 times better than anything in skyrim <laughs> Um, oh yeah, they're much more memorable. Like they're like because they're so few and far in between, and, pr- and such precious little moments of respite. Hu- yeah, of, of genuine humanity and mm-hmm. like this world that is truly just like out to kill you. It's depressing. I yeah. mean, like it's beautiful as a game, but I mean it's dull and often dreary and it's and always morbid dreary. and just like it's a it's a dark gothic decaying fantasy world mm-hmm. western fantasy like lost kingdoms um and and, it, and dare i say lord of the rings if you haven't thought of lord of the rings yet that is a strong filter to kind of like put our words through it's it's lord of the rings but it's like it's lord of the rings but if it was like a few millennia like too long yeah 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 things yeah, 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 yeah. and with nothing changing mm-hmm. like it's Lord of the it's it's Middle Earth, but it's like everything is just in a state of f- yeah. <laughs> to, to to repeat myself, mm-hmm. like the gods have revolted. Everyone in Middle Earth has died dozens of times mm-hmm. and just keeps living, mm-hmm. and they go insane because they keep dying and dying and dying, and they go hollow and they just lose their minds. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially the setting for the game is like why everything's trying to kill you is because everything's generally lost their mind 
after this cycle of rebirth over and over. But again, there are these human characters, these NPCs that you meet that are these brief respites. Um, uh, and to circle back at the outset of the game, you're dropped into Lordran. Uh, your task, like the, the main objective is vague. Sure. There is a guy at the very beginning that you don't even have to talk to, <laughs> but he's like, hey, you're an undead, aren't you? You made it here, didn't you? Huh? <laughs> Interesting. Well, there's these two great bells of awakening that you can ring if you want. There's one up here, and then there's one all the way down there. And that's it. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Not even have fun. Don't even have fun. Yeah. That's all there is. Right. We're sad. Yeah. And from there, there are, let me think, there are like four directions you can go. And like two or three of them are dead ends. Like at some point are dead ends. Um, Valuable dead ends or dead ends? Like waste of time dead ends. We'll get there. <laughs> There's a critical path. There's a way you can go. But like this whole... the I mean, the main objective of the game is to ring the two bells of awakening. For a while. That's the main objective. And yeah. there's all this like auxiliary world building. Uh-huh. These crazy you locations. You gotta do this to open this door. Because yeah. the, the bell is that way. Right. It's this whole... Like the whole first half of the game is this Metroidvania constructed world. Mm-hmm. It's open. You can go any direction you want. Some... Areas you shouldn't and are blocked off at some point, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, time to turn back. Some areas are clearly too hard for you to go to. Some bosses reincorporate things you've already learned from the tutorial. The world is just so intricately and expertly, vividly, masterfully designed for these two bells of awakening. <laughs> um, and so you do those. You ring these two bells after 50 hours of gameplay. That's like the uh, the first half of the game. Yeah. And then the structure kind of, after this whole open world bit, funnels you into one spot. Okay. Then you beat this one spot. And then you, and then you collect the four Lord Souls. Interesting. So I'm kind of drawing, I'm drawing a diagram in the air. Yes, There's you are. There's a circle at the bottom. That you do all of, mm-hmm. and then it funnels you into this line at the top of the circle, and then at the top of that line, it splits into four directions. That's a reverse funnel, but yes. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, the paths branch. The I paths mean, branch. You can... But also they don't... But also they do. Most people will experience most of the same things throughout their gameplay but in different order and to different consequence yes there's so much to say about this game and i mean touch on how the game actually really plays you you're a character you run out you die and you restart at the last checkpoint yes um and just, just you, you can you can disregard that no i mean you're not wrong but you're also not right um <laughs> Yeah, just to reiterate, like, to cap off the story, like, yeah, the world is in a state of crap, and you're at the tail end of this age of fire, and everybody's miserable and dying all the time, and, yeah, eventually you learn that your role as the chosen undead Mm -hmm. is to gather the four lord souls and either link the fire to revitalize this age of fire Mm -hmm. that is fading, Yep, or... You can reject it and usher in an age of dark. Okay. 
And that's your two in, your two options for the ending. That's after the final boss. You get a slightly different cutscene after the final boss, and that's that's really all. It it's gets literally you. like a a is it a menu selection? Like you know what I mean? It is you, as if a, it was a dialogue choice or something. Practically, it's every go down no, this hall. There's one final boss, and then after the after you kill it, uh-huh. him, um, you can either stay there and hit the bonfire, link the fire, or you can leave. And that's it. And it shows you like a 10 second cutscene, and then it rolls to credits. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. Uh-huh. In 2011, that's all you get for 150 hours of bashing your head against a wall over and over and over and over and over. Insane. In retrospect, it makes perfect sense. It's great. Oh, it's Kino. Don't it's beautiful. touch it. Perfect. Um, but yeah. So, what were you saying about hard game? What's the gameplay like? Well, yeah. So, I yes, we can talk about the gameplay. I do just want to really Help, illustrate. Reel me in. Like, like what do you? What? what I really want to illustrate how much extracurricular activity Connor had to undergo to be able to explain that much context to the story because the cutscenes, the character interactions while supportive to the story did not tell him that they did not use those words to that clearly explain what the heck is going on in this world. I refuse to believe. Yeah. Uh, like a, I'll say, I'll keep yes and no. Mm-hmm. There's an elaborate opening cutscene to the game before you even hit the asylum, before you in, enter gameplay, uh-huh. that explains all that lore about the the dragons and the Age of Fire, and Lord Gwyn and the four lords. But it's all nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's throwing names and terms and locations at you, like you already understand them. Right. And then by the time you pick up the controller, you've already forgotten it all. Uh huh. And you're in a something that's almost completely unrelated. But by the end, by the end of the game, you've fought all of those lords. Mm-hmm. And if you want, you can read the item descriptions of all the equipment from all of the bosses you defeated and all of the... It provides that context. It's all there. You just have to dig a little bit. The lore is so rich and so deep. But it is not given to you through cinematic cutscenes. There's no 15-minute dialogue. There's no... It's context clues. Your character doesn't speak ever. No. Your character is barely a character. You are you. In this world... You're a shell of a thing that's going to save the world. Barely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, I just... I, I So, yet you said yes and no. I mean, credit where it's due. Yes, you gave a... a, a Wonderful, I think, summation of where you roughly start the game. But but at the same time, like, just, it's incredibly obtuse on purpose. It doesn't give you the answers of what you're doing. You do have to dig. Definitely. And, and even then, I mean, like, even if you're not digging, and even though it's an open Metroid-style world where you can accidentally go the wrong way... It the natural world design, it guides you to where you're going. It, like that outset when you are dropped into Lordran. Yeah, there's four or five different directions you can go, but there's one that is obviously 
the critical path. Sure. There's one through a graveyard of skeletons that keep coming back to life and keep coming back to life and keep wrecking you. And eventually you reach a dead end. There's a bottom path where there are ghosts that you can't even hurt. Uh huh. They can only hurt you. And I don't, it's, it's <laughs> intuitive game design. I would, I mean, many would agree. Obviously, you know, there are some out there that it's, it, that it's not for that get frustrated at the ghosts or the skeletons. What do you mean I can't kill the ghosts? Exactly. Why would you put them at the start of the game? But that's that's that left brain game design that I just love, is that it's like that's the game design in its blueprint, and its DNA telling you to not do it yet, to do something. Try something else. And that's ingrained in every moment of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Even the first boss you fight so in the asylum the tutorial boss Mm -hmm. the asylum demon you are given you are given gameplay after this whole intro cinematic you pick up the controller it teaches you some controls it drops this huge ass boss in front of you with a huge health (laughs) bar and you can swing at it and you're doing one damage with your fists right with a broken dagger okay okay so basically yeah um and it has this huge health bar and you're dealing one damage to it and it kills you in two to three hits. Mm-hmm. That's that Monster Hunter also. Sure. Uh, to to kind of rewind a little bit, this part of this mo- whole Monster Hunter thing is that this huge damage sponge boss that can kill you in two to three hits mm-hmm. if you're not careful. Right. You know? Um, that's everything in the game. is like everything can kill you. If you're not vigilant, it can kill you in two, three, four hits. Even... Even the dumb enemies. That... Yeah, even a, a rat. Yeah. If you're not careful. If you're not constantly vigilant. Um, and so this asylum demon does the same thing. It's a boss. It's it a boss. It wrecks you. And it wrecks you. But what you're supposed to do is run past it. In the <laughs> tutorial, it teaches you that not always the best solution is to fight it head on. You are supposed to run past it through this door, do the rest of the tutorial, then... The asylum, that tutorial circles back onto the asylum demon after giving you a proper weapon and also allowing you to do a plunging attack onto it. And that's how you start the game. And you beat the tutorial, you beat this tutorial boss that itself feels like a victory. And then that same exact strategy is replicated for the first boss of the game. The Taurus Demon. Insane. It's beautiful. Insane. Because I... Oh, that's so funny. I don't remember the Asylum Demon, but I remember the Taurus Demon. On the bridge. And I remember dropping onto him. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's brilliant. And that's potentially hours after you've fought the Asylum Demon, because the road to the Taurus Demon isn't fast, Mm -hmm. potentially, depending on how long it takes you to learn the gameplay mechanics. The gameplay mechanics... Are it. Huh? Are it. Are the game. Are the game. Are. Are the difficulty. The criticism levied against the Dark. Like the. The mm-hmm. main, if any, criticism levied against Dark Souls in the series is its difficulty mm-hmm. and its high barrier of entry. However, anyone can play Dark Souls. Just like anybody, Miyamoto, can play Super Mario Bros. 1 mm-hmm. and beat it as it's intended, anybody can pick up Dark Souls. And beat it. 
hundred percent agree. It's, it's it's it is a natural lesson of life. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, you don't know how to swim. Practice. Yeah, it's practice makes permanent. You know, mm-hmm. and it's the same for the gameplay. It's an it's an RPG as all get out. There is armor. There's different armor pieces for your head, your torso, your waist, and your legs. You can upgrade each armor piece. There are so many different armors. There are a zillion different weapons and weapon types. And each weapon has its own unique move set with unique animations and timing. It's Each weapon takes its own amount of stamina from your stamina bar. Mm-hmm. You have a health bar and a stamina bar. And you have all your different attributes, your all your different stats, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like Skyrim. You can't. No. Uh, you can't. In Skyrim, ugh, Skyrim's disgusting. <laughs> Skyrim, you can pick warrior, rogue, or mage. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Ew. <laughs> and there's skill trees. Yucky. Mm-hmm. Ew. <laughs> In Dark Souls, you have a currency called souls, and you get. Different amounts of souls from every enemy. It's basically experience points. Um, mm-hmm. Every time you kill an enemy, you get a you get a, a hundred souls. Yeah, from your regular soul, your regular undead soldier, you get a hundred souls. From a rat, you get fifty souls. Mm-hmm. This is not literal. It's, it's an example. You beat the Taurus demon, you, you get probably two thousand get... souls. Yeah, you're rich. Yeah, and you fight your way all the way to the Taurus demon, you've gotten 5,000 souls from all the soldiers you've killed along the way. Yep. Your souls are your currency that you can use to buy items and equipment um, from merchants that you encounter. Mm -hmm. You can also use them to upgrade your armor and weapons at a blacksmith. Mm -hmm. But they're also used to level up your character. And every time you level up, you can choose a single attribute to increase. By one point, correct? Yes. So say you start at level... Uh, oh my god, there's so much. Because you choose different classes at the, at the beginning. Yeah, the And they start at crea- different levels. The character creator is really interesting. Like, I mean, visually, you, you create your character and you can make them look like what you want. But there are different... like Classes yes. that start you off with different attributes. But from there, you can kind of still go anywhere you want and that's what that's what i've explained since elden rings come out i feel like i've sung that whole song and dance a dozen times that it doesn't <laughs> matter what class you start as uh-huh. it matters what you pump your levels into yeah it's an rpg rpg you know you can't do everything roll the play that you want a game play the role <laughs> perhaps <laughs> more so uh maybe but you're I I know what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, absolutely. But you're right. There at the at the beginning of the game, you choose your class. There's like a dozen classes, I think less. Um but the only dif- difference is that they start with different stat elevations, different ac- elevations, different attributes. And this is so stupid, but I'm thinking of the Sims. You have to, you know, apply points to your Sims when you create them. Like, Man, I'll be honest, I've never played a Sims game wow. myself. Sure. Yeah. But 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 you, you, you put five points in charisma and five points in cleanliness and then two points in this one. Except when you choose the class, it automatically assigns those points to your character. Exactly. 
the classes when you you start you choose a class at the at the very start of the game and it basically only governs what weapons you start what what equipment you start with and where your stats generally lie like a warrior you'll start with like a long sword and a, and a decent shield mm-hmm. and your 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 stats will mostly be in strength and dexterity you know a sorcerer your stats will mostly be in like intelligence um, less so in strength and dexterity and like vitality and stuff. How and many? How many stats are there? Are there eight? Man, from memory, I couldn't tell you. It's eight or eight or ten, maybe twelve, even. Um, there's like there's vitality, endurance, strength, dexterity, intelligence, faith, luck, arcane. No, see that, and that's where it gets tricky, is because every from software game, quote unquote, trademark, is different. Um, <laughs> Dark Souls Two has different stats from Dark Souls One, well, and, and Three, and so on. I, and that's crazy because I have no idea where, when the magic meter comes in, because I meant I mentioned <laughs> that, and you know what I mean. Like I, it comes out in two. If I recall correctly, I don't know. Yeah. Again, it's been so long, um, and they're all so different. They make such lateral gameplay changes. Yes, you're to, using to, your your to souls. Come full circle. You're using your souls, your currency, your currency to level up, and you get one point to spend on these attributes. Yes. So say this is for example, at, you choose you start with the warrior class. For example, decent set of armor. You have a sword, a long sword, and a decent shield. And your strength and your dexterity say start at ten. And your character total level twelve, let's say, and it takes you have to acquire three thousand souls or so to go to level thirteen. Mm-hmm. You can spend that three thousand souls to put one point into any of the attributes: strength, dexterity, intelligence, faith, vitality, endurance that we've listed, luck, and they all govern different things. Sure. So say, and then following that, you put that level in. You're level thirteen. The next time it takes 4,000 souls, mm-hmm. 4,000 of your currency. So as you get a, get to higher levels, the um, requirement of the amount of souls, the amount of currency that you need increases as you move along. Mm-hmm. But as you increase these different stats, these different attributes, they, they enhance different parts of your character build. Yes. If you're, if you're using a warrior with your longsword, Every weapon scales with different stats. So a longsword will probably have scaling in strength and dexterity. Yes. Every weapon also have di- has different grades of scaling. So a regular longsword might have a C scaling in strength and dexterity, but a giant warhammer might have an A rank in scaling with strength. But like a curved sword or like a dagger, something that's very flexile, you're going to be higher in dexterity. dexterity. And the scaling means that like the higher that you're, say you're using a big, heavy two-handed warhammer that has A A grade scaling and strength, that means the higher your strength attribute, the more damage it will do per swing. And Every single weapon has its own individual scaling system. And moveset and animations. Mm-hmm. There's over a dozen different classes of weapons. 
and each weapon has its own like you there's spears curved swords long swords hammers daggers whips maces whips shields bows crossbows staves do you say shields uh, maybe you can use shields. Shield, yes, you can. You can <laughs> use shields as a weapon. Yes, uh-huh. correct. Fists, fist weapons, and this is just the first game. It it and multiplies magic. and magic staffs, miracles, so on and so forth, and they all have different scaling properties. This is how you build your character. As you put your levels mm-hmm. you you level up your character into particular attributes strength dexterity depending on what kind of character you want to build and what and yes that is a beautiful role playing game like way to look at it but also what kind of weapon you like yeah. generally what kind of way you like to swing your weapon you're going to choose what kind of points to spend it on and it also goes for armor because your armor <laughs> There's also a weight system. Yeah. Where everything weighs a certain amount. Not like Skyrim. You can carry as many things as you want, mm-hmm. which is a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a miracle that they didn't make that part of the difficulty. You can carry as many things as you want on your person in your inventory. But as far as your equipment, what you're equipping, it has a certain weight. And the more, the heavier the stuff you're equipping, the slower you move, the less you can dodge the less effective your dodge uh-huh. and the lighter you're wearing, the less defense you'll have, obviously, but the more agile you move, the you faster roll you move across the map. <laughs> yeah. When you dodge, when you do a dodge roll, yeah, it, it, you have a lot of invincibility frames and you move mm-hmm. further and so on. So that's where the character build stuff comes in. You can, you can really, really hone in on a type of character that you want to play which is tough for a first time player Mm -hmm. that was my mistake and part of why it took me so long probably to beat it my first time is because i didn't really understand that Mm -hmm. i was doing everything kind of evenly (laughs) yeah i was about to say you you, know you had every single stat at just about it was like vitality endurance strength dexterity i might want a little of faith just so i can use like this one spell you know what i mean but then they're all crap level things exactly yeah, I was too much of a jack of all trades. Uh-huh. Um, you really do have to kind of decide how you want to play the game, and, right? And I'll say, as a generally Souls noob, like I mean, Sword and Shield is pretty standard, and and will get you a long way too. You know what I mean? There's absolutely nothing wrong with Sword and Shield. Sword and Board, I, baby. I have never ever played as a sorcerer in any Souls game. And it terrifies me at the thought of it. So, like, you know what I mean? I don't I don't know what that says of me as a Souls player, but, like, it's something for everyone. And there's just so much room to find what you like and what you what you really works for you. There is so much versatility at play. And and that's like this is just where the depth comes in mm-hmm. is all this world I've described, all these different attributes and stats that you can select at your own disposal all these different kinds of weapons that all play completely differently against all these different bosses that Mm -hmm. require different strategies it's a ridiculously deep game that is deceptively accessible if a if if that kind of meaty game experience appeals to you whatsoever it can appeal to you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like 
we've only glossed over it, but the difficulty, the challenge, the t- the hard part. Well, and I was I was going to use the word bosses. Yeah. Like, I mean, the normal enemies are hard. Right. You have to be careful and learn their move sets just as much as a boss. But Dark Souls bosses really created something of. I don't know how to finish that sentence. Not a genre of their own, but just Dark Souls bosses are infamous. The bosses are where your skill is truly tested. I mean, it tests your metal. And I've thought of, there's just like so much other stuff. The multiplayer. Everything in the game tests your metal, but there's this brief, there's this like brief window of like actual humanity, which is a theme in the game. You are fighting going hollow. One out of nowhere, a human shows up in your world to help you? So, humanity, right? Yeah. In Dark... And this is... It's different in every Souls game. Mm. But in Dark Souls 1, there is another mechanic that I haven't even gotten to. Yeah, and it, I this one goes over my head. Tell me about it. Humanity. You're playing as a hollow. Mm-hmm. However, you can return to human form. You're playing as like an undead zombie made yep. of. He looks like he's made of beef jerky. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, but you can turn back into human, and not an undead zombie. And that's through a consumable item called humanity that are scattered throughout the world. They're not limited. Some enemies drop them mm-hmm. after being killed randomly. So you can harvest them. You can harvest them. It's a very odd system. It's the kind of system that got more streamlined and refined as they made more games. Sure. It's a little weird in Dark Souls 1. Uh-huh. But you you have these items. There, there, there's an item called humanity. And when you consume it, you add one to your humanity counter. There's like a, a number uh-huh. next to your health bar. That's the amount of humanity you have. And you can expend... One of those humanity at a bonfire. I haven't even explained bonfires yet. Mm-mm. Bonfires are the checkpoints throughout the world. Where you level up. Yes. You change your... You, know, you can change your weapons wherever. Yeah. They're basically... They're checkpoints. They're places where you can choose to rest and level up, recoup, upgrade your stuff. They're where you respawn when you die. There are checkpoints scattered throughout the open world, and you start at one, and you work, you fight your way to the next one, and so on and so forth, until you get to the one that is closest to a boss fight, and, you know, that's where you fight your way through them mm-hmm. for the next hour or so. But, yes, at a bonfire, at a checkpoint, you expend a humanity to return to human form, Yep. and when you are human... You can summon help. You can... In the form... Of other players. Yes. Or, in some particular cases, NPCs. Mm-hmm. Um, they they appear as as signs on the floor. Yeah, I've and always found that messages. very... I've always found that very odd how, how the Dark Souls communication works. Yes. The multiplayer component is, like, passive. Yes. It's not like... You could play the whole game without realizing it's there. More or less, yeah. 
it's not like Call of Duty where you enter a multiplayer match and you're all competitive. Right. Like, you're playing the main game, but you can opt into multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And then when you're playing multiplayer, you can either... You can put a a summon sign down on the floor, and when you put that sign on the floor, other players can see your sign in their own world, and they can choose to summon you for help, and vice versa. For said boss, not for the level. No. Well, even for the level. I mean, you know, depending on like the Dark Souls game, mm-hmm. um, if you choose to be human at a bonfire, you might find summon signs near the bonfire okay. that'll help you through the level, Fair. and then furthermore through the boss. Correct. You're you Added. are. I mean, you're not wrong. They're mm-hmm. mostly at the gates of the bosses because mm-hmm. that's where people need the most help. Yeah. When you become human, these summon signs become visible. Yeah. Um, for other players, so you can choose to summon help to help with bosses. However. The flip side of the coin that is extremely important <laughs> Yep, is when you become human, not only can you summon help, but you invite the possibility of your world being invaded by another player unwillingly. When you are human, you are opening yourself up to other... You, you can and other players can... Just opt in to entering other players' worlds to kill them. To kill them. No other point. It's it is a violent act. But I mean, you get a resource in return. Oh, sure. There's, there is there's a you can you can opt in to invading other players' worlds in return for humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I didn't and mean to imply resources. that. Like, oh, and you're souls killing people. And currency. Yes. I'm not. Im- yes, you get things for killing the it's other a, player. It's a, it's a malicious like, act. Yes, you get. There's a reward for it, but it's wholly to simply ruin another person's day. When you become human, you can choose to. You can, in addition to helping others, choosing to help others, putting your summon sign down to be summoned into another player's world to help with a boss, and also. Summoning other players to help you with a boss that you've been stuck on. Mm -hmm. You also equally invite yourself to be invaded by other players or to invade other players' worlds to get more souls, to get humanity, to reap rewards. Troll. To troll, essentially. It's a hard game. Get good. (laughs) Sorry, I said it. Somebody had to. Yeah. Somebody had to. It had to be brought up at some point. Yeah. Like, get good is like this weird shorthand for Dark Souls. Yeah. I'm, I think I think that we got to wrap this up. And I'm going to wrap this up. Because we're going to return to a lot of every... Most of what I've described pretty much translates to Elden Ring. Yeah. Almost one for one. It's insane. This quote-unquote from software game, this template, has evolved evolved morphed somewhat laterally even it's evolved upwardly and somewhat laterally in different ways Mm -hmm. from dark souls 1 2 3 bloodborne sekiro into elden ring that we are about to follow this with Mm -hmm. but i want to address the get good ethos sure um in that get good is thrown around as like 
if you're having trouble with Dark Souls or a hard game, a game that's testing your metal or is frustrating you, just get good at it. Right. Just be better at it. Get, yeah. Yeah. Try it enough until you're good at it. I remember for our Monster Hunter Rise episode, uh-huh. almost like a year ago now. Sure. Monster Hunter is part of the hit it until it dies genre. Until, hit it until it dies and don't get hit genre. Uh-huh. That's a genre of action game. Dark Souls is is one and the same. Mm-hmm. And the get good philosophy that has become so contemporary and equivalent to Dark Souls, it means more than that. It means more than just like, oh, be better. Yeah. It means, it means invest in the game, trust the game deeper. There are systems. You are in, not wasting your time. You're not. There are systems in place to help you. You can. You can. You can grab help from other players. You there's the way that the checkpoint system and the soul, the currency acclimate uh, 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 acquisition process works, where you start at a checkpoint, you run your way through all these enemies and acquire souls. And you work your way to the point where you died and mm-hmm. you pick up your souls Yep. and you keep building that. Mm-hmm. That's just more currency to level up with, to strengthen your character, to upgrade your weapons and your armor. Mm-hmm. There are systems in place to help you. You can cheat. You can cheese the game. Uh-huh. The game is cheesing you in return. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's more, that's more the case with Elden Ring and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Souls 1, I would argue, is a little more fair about that. A little more upfront about what it's telling you. Mm-hmm. What it's communicating to the player. Okay. Um, but it's not an outright malicious game. Mm. It's not unfair all the time. It's janky at times. But by design, it's not explicitly unfair. Mm-hmm. It's teaching you. It's yeah. guiding you along the way. Getting good just means... Stick with it. Invest in the game a little deeper. Stick with it a little longer. Try to understand it a little more. And if nothing else, try something else. You know? There's something... You might not be missing something. Mm -hmm. You might be missing something. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you you might not be. You might have the right idea, but just, like, it's... Get good... (laughs) Is an encouragement, I dare going, I say. I was going to say, as annoying as the meme level it has reached is, it I have never actually seen a comment that says, get good, and I felt, oh, that's malicious. Really? You know, <laughs> Some people are just trolling. Okay, okay. As... In general, as a sentiment, you are correct. It is an encouragement. It is an invitation to understand the game with me. You know what I mean? Uh, Implying that I understand what's actually going on. I mostly don't. You know what I mean? I am not good. Um, (laughs) I have not, I am still getting good, but like, yes, I do think it's an encouragement. It is annoying at this point, just that it's kind of a mainstream gamer meme type thing it's just shorthand for you're not good enough yeah you're not you can't beat it but 
but as you say, it's in the context of the game, and it is an invitation to, like, it is possible. Like, stick with it, dare I say. You know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily detect malice. Perhaps we run in different gaming circles. <laughs> Perhaps we've invested in different um, historical and contextual parts of the Dark Souls uh, development. You've certainly been in the circle longer than I have. Perhaps. Um, however, Elden Ring in this has been fairly encouraging. That is interesting to hear. In the spirit of sticking with it, how about you all, audience, stick with us as we uh, return soon with um, some more From Software action, um, some more From Software excitement, and even less Nintendo investment in part two of our From Software series where we are going to dive maybe even deeper into Elden Ring. That's right. We're no Nintendo here. Non-Nintendo game. Yeah, we're we're getting into like uncharted territory, uncharted waters. I'm a little scared. I think we'll be okay. Do you think so? It'll be on Nintendo one day, like in ten years. I'm my fingers and toes and otherwise are crossed. All right, friends. Well, I'm gonna get us out of here. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you are not subscribed to us on the podcast platform that you're listening to us on right now, please just hit that button. It really means a lot, and it'll help us find new listeners, which is just exciting for us. You know, we we want to be popular. Tell us we're cool. Yeah, even though we know already. Right. Also on Instagram, we post some cool stuff. If you're not following us there, please do. And on that note, we will see you soon with a brand new episode. Hope you enjoyed this one of the From Tendo podcast. Yeah. My name is Brayden. And I am Connor. And we'll see you next time. Love you. <laughs>